The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Patrick Walker, good morning. Thank you for being on the program. G'day, it's great to speak with you this morning. So you've undertaken a survey of a number of sporting clubs to try and get an understanding of how they've been impacted by COVID-19. And I think this is the second survey that you've undertaken. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We did one a year ago and we wanted to check in sort of a year down the line to see how clubs were faring. And as you guys all know, uh, down there very well, they're not, not doing too well. Clubs are under pressure from all sizes. So in terms of the second time around, I'm just wondering if the mood has changed amongst sporting organizations. Maybe last year there was hope that this year there could be some normality. And to some extent there was, like the local football was able to happen here, whereas last year it got cancelled, although we had to have our finals truncated. But I'm guessing they still made a bit of money this year as opposed to last year. So what has been the change and what's been the mood like the second time around as opposed to the first? Yeah, and I guess that's really what's worried us because uh, before I come on to the themes, the survey we've just done was open in June and the beginning of July. So really the full impact of the Delta lockdowns, which we're all suffering in, in Victoria, New South Wales and ACT at the moment, hadn't come through. And against that backdrop, what clubs are telling us is very worrying. So uh, the three, three themes are financial instability. So we've got uh, around 13% of all clubs are fearing insolvency. Now, if you apply that nationally, that would mean about 9,000 clubs are at risk of going under, which is a, a shocking stat. Um, clubs are telling us they've got declining participation, members not signing up for a variety of reasons, and they can't get enough volunteers. Many clubs are saying they've actually got half the number of volunteers they need to run their operations. So a pretty bleak picture. I mean, as we've alluded to, I think clubs would say, well, last year was bad, but maybe we've just got through it. But to have the same thing again this time around, uh, that is just devastating and may finish off a few clubs. I see here one in 10 clubs have cited fear of financial insolvency. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's the most worrying stat, I think, for us. You just imagine the impact if one in ten of the community sports clubs in your region, you know, went under and weren't there. It's not just about, you know, what happens on the pitch in a sport. It's the whole social cohesion that community sport represents. It's bringing people together. It's being physically active. It's so good for physical and mental health. It's just as important for the volunteers as it is for the participants. So it would leave a really big hole in community life, I think. So what do we do? How do you respond to this challenge that we find ourselves in? Because it seems like maybe last year there was a bit more support. I don't know how much JobKeeper and such actually flowed through to community sport, but it seemed like there's perhaps more uh, more support, more concern, whereas this year I think a lot of organisations have been left to fend for themselves or the support has been reduced. Yeah, I think you're, you're bang on the money. A JobKeeper and things like that didn't didn't affect or support community clubs at all. They were really things at the top end of sport, the pro pro sports. Um, so the, really, the reason we've done this report is is twofold. One is to highlight the problem, and we shared it with all levels of government. So we shared it with state government, federal government, and so on, and, and really showing them that more support is needed uh, for this sector. So that's one of the reasons we've done the report. The other is this next few months are going to be 
critical because not only is sport shut down, but also the way that community sport typically raises money is shut down. You can't run a sausage sizzle. You have got no canteen income or match day income. You can't hold club events. Friday night meat raffle in the local pub can't go ahead. So clubs have got zero income, but their costs are still going out. So we're trying to, we've launched a back to sport fund, uh, which is a community sport support fund. And we're encouraging everyone who cares about uh, the survival of community sport to make a tax deductible donation to that fund. And we will distribute that to help clubs in need over this uh, critical next few months. But I remember looking at this last year and it was sort of quantified how big the problem is in terms of the lost revenue of community sport and it was an incredible amount of money. I mean, you're probably not going to be able to make up that shortfall just through this fund alone, are you? No, we're not. Nowhere nowhere near that. So uh, there's a couple of things at play. One is that government certainly did come to the party and uh, our research shows that uh, government grants and extra support covered about a third of the losses that clubs had uh, over the past year. So it's certainly better than nothing. Um, but clubs have burned through a lot of their cash in in, in uh, suffering the revenue shortfalls on this increasing costs. And I've been talking to clubs over the last week, burned through 90% of their cash reserves just since the Delta lockdowns hit. So, um, you know, we, we're definitely not going to be able to solve everything But by highlighting it with government and raising some uh, philanthropic funds, we hope to get most of these clubs through. What are the big costs associated with keeping sport going? So if you're burning through your cash, but you're not actually running any events to bring money in, where's the money going? Is it things like rent? Is that the main thing? Well, rent uh, is definitely an issue, although lots of uh, local councils did offer rent rebates. Uh, so what clubs have told us, the biggest uh, the biggest increases in costs have been new hygiene equipment. So sanitizer, cleaning equipment to clean down surfaces and so on um, after training and before games. Uh, many clubs have had to buy extra kit and equipment because you can't share in the way that you used to pre-COVID. And clubs are also reporting an increase in insurance costs. You would have thought play less sport, your insurance bill would go down, but that's not the case. Um, and finally, bank loans, uh, bank interest. And with, with interest so low, that's indicating that clubs have had to borrow to survive. So those are the four biggest cost increases. And you mentioned the issue around volunteers. Are they finding that they need more volunteers to, for example, be COVID marshals to actually run events? Absolutely. So there's that extra demand. But as I said earlier, clubs are reporting a decline of up to 50% in volunteers. And there's two uh, issues that are driving that. One is their own health concerns, maybe wanting to, you know, keep, keep themselves to themselves while COVID is, uh, is an issue. The other is that volunteers are finding the responsibility and pressure of being responsible for COVID safe measures is something they don't want to do. Uh, being responsible for cleaning down surfaces, the responsibility if there was a case and transmission uh, that they would feel. So volunteers are are walking away from taking that responsibility, which is an interesting insight. Yeah, and I suppose it's a pretty thankless job as well. I know there was someone that uh, we had here standing around an event saying, no, you're 1.3 metres apart, you've got to be 1.5. I mean, it's a pretty thankless task. Well, frankly, that's coming out as well. I mean, uh, you know, we, we all abhor bad behaviour, but, but some of the volunteers were reporting that they were getting abused for actually imposing the regulations. And, you know, you're volunteering your time. You don't need that. No. So what happens from here? You want to get some uh, government support, perhaps you want to get um, the, the fund up and going. I suppose, is there hope on the horizon that maybe next year that we can have some sort of normality brought back to community sport? Well, fingers crossed. That's the uh, that's the aim and that's the hope. Uh, and it's really about getting 
getting these clubs through this next difficult few months and hopefully next year I think we did say this last year but hopefully next year will be uh, a bit more normal and of course you know people are accepting that outdoor sports is a relatively low uh, risk activity it's a bit higher risk for indoor sports I think so hopefully governments will will in their roadmaps get a return to community sport um, you know fairly high up the agenda actually just one thing that I see here that's of interest 40% of clubs have shared their participation decline is strongest in the 11 to 18 years age bracket so what's going on there why are teenagers more likely to pull out of sport you think it might be older people that are perhaps concerned about uh, leaving the home because of COVID. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's a concerning point as well. I think I think what we're seeing from the anecdotal comments is that the stop-start nature of sport, you know, shorter seasons, maybe the season was truncated last year. It's caused them to get out of the habit of sport and maybe find something else to fill the gap and then they haven't come back to sport in the same number. I think there's also financial pressures, you know, families maybe are cutting their costs and can't afford for their kids to play sport in the way that they used to. So there's those couple of trends. But the worry, of course, is if you fall out of sport in your teenage years, you're most unlikely to pick it up again later on. And that's going to be bad for their physical and mental health, but also the long-term sustainability of community clubs. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. Appreciate it. It's um, a big issue and it's one that we'll continue to watch. Yeah, thanks a lot, and uh, thanks for giving us the opportunity to chat. My pleasure. Patrick Walker with us there, who is the CEO of the Australian Sports Foundation. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.